This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Colin McGuigan for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast. I'm here with Eduardo Hernandez in oh, Guadalajara. Yes. Eddie, what about Guadalajara? What are you feeling like out here? I'm, I'm feeling like... Uh... No, you know what, Colin? I'm feeling blessed. Blessed. I think that when we when we announced that extension yesterday, the, the five year the extension after five years in in America, I thought, thought to myself, "Wow, where did that go?" And five years is a big portion of your life, and I've knocked my absolute bollocks out for five years. I really have. And at times, you're working so hard, you're so involved with everything, you're so emotionally involved that you forget what you're achieving, where you've been the great moments that you've had, the experiences that you've had, and you've got to be careful in life to, to let that pass you by. And, it's, you know, and I think sometimes you think, oh, yesterday I thought to myself, Jesus, you need to start realising, rather than just non-stop, 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 just, just sit back and realise what you've achieved, where you are, and that, that's this Saturday. 55,000 people in Guadalajara in a Canelo Alvarez homecoming. We're promoting that fight. And... You know, I was, I was, it's only the other day I was looking back at pictures of just messing around in the gym when I was like, you know, 10, 11. And I can't really believe where it's led us to, in all honesty. I mean, hard work, unbelievable ability, and charisma and good looks has played a massive part as well. But it's, uh, yeah, I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing for the fight. I'm buzzing for John Ryder. And it's actually, Guadalajara is a great place. A really emerging city in Mexico. You've seen it. Restaurants, unbelievable. Um, hotels, um, and really looking forward to a massive night on Saturday. And excited, excited for Canelo, in all honesty. I think it's great for him to be doing something like this at this stage in his career. I felt like Chris Tuck- Tucker and Rashar walking up uh, Guadalajara Main Street because no, like sp- yeah, no, no one speaks English. They're all looking at me like two heads. How are you? Fi- <laughs> <laughs> How are you finding the language barrier over here? You know I, I should have learned Spanish when we started this little adventure. And... A bit of laziness, I suppose, and it's just difficult. The GCSE Spanish, so you know, we keep. That only gets you so yeah, far. Yeah, though, yeah right? it gets me. It gets me around. 
But I went for a beard trim last night and had an absolute stinker. I'm telling him to do a number one fade, and he's like giving me this. Well, I don't know what it was going. So, but I should really learn Spanish. But um, do you know when when I was in a barber's last night, the guy didn't speak very English, good English. But he said to me, "Welcome to Guadalajara. This is your home while you are here." And obviously, he says that to everybody. But I thought. We don't really say anything like that in England, do we? When do you see a Brit go up to someone and go, all right, mate, welcome to England. This is your home while you're here. It's normally like this. Welcome to England. What do you want? How much? What? What do you say? You know? So I, I, I find promoting shows here fantastic. You went yeah, last night, was it, or the night before, to a small hall show. The, the passion for boxing is deeply rooted within them. And you'll see that on Saturday night. Canal fight weeks are always special, but this one obviously a little different because it's in his hometown and there's the friends and family element to it. How big is this for Matchroom as a company to stage something like this in a fifty thousand stadium arena? Yeah, massive, massive for you know our company is me, my dad, you know, my sister as well. But it's pure like it's one of the great success stories of British business. You're talking about, and I have to give him all the credit, the old man, you know, a, a very bright chartered accountant that started a business under a billiard hall over 40 years ago. And when he achieved everything he did in boxing, he never went anywhere near these kind of levels. And when I went into boxing, I had no idea, I mean, firstly, I had no idea what I was doing, but I had no idea where it would take us. And I'd like to think that on a serious note, forgetting the charisma and good looks, the hard work, the passion for what we do, and a little bit of luck along the way, because everybody needs it, led us to this moment. And again, it's one of those where you only really recognise what you've done when you've finished. And when you look back, and when I look back on whether it's Frotch Groves, Joshua Klitschko, Joshua Rees, Taylor Serrano, Canelo Triple G, Canelo John Ryder in Guadalajara, breaking the record at Dallas Cowboys, like... That's when you look back and go, how did, how did we even do that? Because we're only a couple of cheeky fellows from Essex. That's what we are. And we're, we're not blagging it. We're good at what we do, but we have a passion for what we do. And that passion, people often say, you know, how do you, how do you work with that relentless rate? And the answer is passion and a love for what you do. You can, you can be a hard worker. You can be a grafter. But if you genuinely love and adore what you do famous saying you never have to work another day in your life and that's I love boxing I love boxing so much and that's why I sometimes I get frustrated because I get frustrated by the criticism because it's like people think that I don't actually love boxing as much as them I love boxing more than you you know like I love Sat Sunday I was down Brentwood ABC right in the Brentwood Centre loads of it that for me I'm sitting there watching it and just that's the purest form of the sport right when before any of the money comes in and I just love it honestly I, I feel so passionately about boxing from grassroots to the elite level and it's, 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 it's my life it's completely my life so to be able to do something like this it's a massive moment for us and I will try on Saturday to just sit back and go how did we end up here how did we end up here you know as a promoter this is one of the the times that you're in a tough spot because you've got both mm. fighters in the main event. This is such a big challenge for John Ryder. Something he won't shy away from. Can he do it on Saturday night? Yeah, he can. I mean, your point's interesting about, you know, there's no point being a snide. It's like when Canelo boxed Bivol. Uh, you know, Canelo's become a good friend. 
It's very important to our business. It's important to design. And then you got, obviously, I wasn't as close with Bivo as I was with John Ryder. Then you got John Ryder grafted his whole career. We've done our very best and we've done a good job for him to give him great opportunities and finally a legacy, life-changing opportunity. And if he wins, I'll be absolutely over the moon for him. You know, and if Canelo wins, I'll be happy for him and it's business, on we go for September. Can he win? Yes. Is it a huge mountain to climb? Fucking yeah. He's fighting the pound for pound number one or there or thereabouts in Guadalajara in front of 55,000 people. Is it a mountain to climb? Everest. But I've never seen John so calm. There's never been a better time to fight Canelo Alvarez, unquestionably. He's coming off surgery. Two, you know, okay performances. But this is John's best chance. And it's, he's, a, he's a massive outsider. But I'll tell you what, they're right up for it. And they won't come to hear the final bell. They'll press him. They'll sit on his chest. They'll make him fight. And I'll tell you, it'll be a great fight. And I'm, I'm really pleased for, for John. I'm really pleased for Tony, you know. And just to be out here getting this opportunity, and um, like this is for them, forget us. But imagine, you know, John Ryder, where he's come from, where he's been through, getting stopped for the British title, losing close decisions to um, Rocky Fielding, losing a very tight decision to Callum Smith for the world title, coming back, you know, beating Ackaway in Vegas on a Canelo card, come, like right back out of nowhere, beats Daniel Jacobs, beats uh, Zach Parker. Who'd have thought? John Ryder would be fighting for the undisputed World Super Middleweight Championship in front of 50,000 people in Guadalajara against Canelo Alvarez. I fucking love shit like that. That, for me, is everything, you know? Because I'll be honest with you, two years ago, I thought, I don't know what we're going to do with John. I can't get a break for him, you know? And then he, we, we managed to get the right the Jacobs fight. He won that. Zach Parker fight come out of nowhere. He took it on a Frank Warren show, won that. And now we're here. So, bloody good luck to him. Canelo's made it no secret that he wants Bivol next. 168, 175, where's that going to land? And is it going to land? He's, like, I, I completely get You know when people say, oh, no, you know, do it at 168. Can you imagine people's response if Canelo made Bivol drain down to 168 and he beat him? What would they say? Oh, he couldn't beat him at 175. He made him come down to 168. Canelo says, same terms as last time, you beat me. I need everything the same to prove I shouldn't have lost that night and to prove I can beat you. That's what he's thinking. So I don't rule out 168, but they want it at 175. Bivol quite likes 168 because it's a chance for him to become undisputed. I don't necessarily think it's a great look for Dimitri Bivol to make 168 for the first time in his professional career against Canelo Alvarez. But that's the fight Sal wants. He's desperate for that fight. Desperate. And... You know, who knows what's going to happen with Betterbev. Obviously, the WBC made their statement the other day about it. He's got to fight Callum Smith now. So, really, in terms of a September fight or, or, or July-August, Bivol's got either a voluntary defence or he has to fight Canelo Alvarez. Because I don't see that Betterbev fight happening just yet. Run me through this undercard. Stevie Sparks in a tough fight against Valenzuela and uh, Julio Cesar Martinez in a tough fight as well against Batista. Talk to me about those fights and, and what's next for both if they come through it in terms of Stevie Spark and uh, Julio Cesar Martinez. Well, Could we maybe see Sonny Edwards? Yeah, we'll, we'll start with Julio Cesar Martinez. The only aim I have in a flyweight division is undisputed. You know, we've got Julio Cesar Martinez, we've got Jesse Rodriguez, we've got Sonny Edwards, uh, and then you've got Delaki and the WBA champion. So I... Sonny Edwards was supposed to fight Jesse Rodriguez, probably in July or August. Obviously, Jesse broke his jaw. Sonny's going to fight in June, 
And then I would like to make the Jesse Rodriguez fight in November. Right? Julio Cesar Martinez fights on Saturday. I would like him to fight Delakian, probably September. And then the winner fights the winner in the spring of 2024, and you have one champion in the division. That's all we want. That's all we want in boxing, is one champion in the division. You know, And we can do it. We can do it there. Um, Julio Cesar Martinez left his crazy place in Mexico City now, trains full-time with Eddie Reynoso, looks great. And you know maybe he gets the Sonny Edwards fight. Sonny's obviously got his fight coming up on June 10th at Wembley. Stevie Spark is a, he's a little rough diamond, you know? Like he boxed Montana Love, beat him, dropped him and beat him. Obviously Montana got DQ'd. All of a sudden, Stevie Sparks, do you want to fight Valenzuela, who's from Guadalajara, right? In front of it, fuck him, right, mate? Straight on the plane, him and Brendan Smith, two lovely people. From a meeting in Toowoomba that I had many months ago to completely changing his life through the Montana Love fight, through Saturday. If he wins on Saturday, I'll be looking to put him in with a Regis Progre, with a Matias, or anyone else that we sign at 140. If he beats Montana Love and Valenzuela, he's ready for a world title shot. And I'll tell you something now, what you gotta love about Stevie Spark is, he goes for the knockout. He has no intention of letting this go to the judges' scorecards. 100% from the first bell, he's going for the knockout. Valenzuela is a sharp puncher, just won a big, against Ulysses Junior in the first round knockout in Canada. He's a good fighter, he's gonna to be tough to beat. Um, and also, Rodzic against Bolotniks, like great fight at 175 pounds. You know, Alex Godvick, who many people felt was the standout 175 pounder, lost to Arta Betabiev. Um Eddie Reynoso thinks he's top, top class. So if he beats Bolotniks, you know, we'll be looking at maybe him against um, Dimitri Bivol or maybe a final eliminator with, with Boatsy if he comes through with the WBA. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be a, an interesting card. New deal for the zone, Matchroom, another three years, USA and Mexico. What does this mean for Matchroom going forward? And will there be a new dates come out soon? Will there be new signings coming soon? Yeah, Is that on the way? Definitely new signings. I mean, firstly, it means that we're in business with an aggressive TV budget for another three years in America and Mexico, which is always nice. Um, it means that, look, we've done five years here. I think we've done a good job. I think we've made mistakes. I think I've been humbled at times, but we haven't stopped working. But we've really got to grips with the industry here and the business and the market. And now we're in a position where we can add new signings, but I'm very comfortable with the roster of fighters we have with a couple of additions coming over the next couple of weeks. Because I don't want to be in a position where I can't give fighters the activity. There's so many fighters in America fighting once a year. Some of them not even that. And there's no point. There's very few fighters that are delivering extreme value in this market. We have a very strong Hispanic subscriber base on DAZN. And we have a fantastic schedule. And as a business, DAZN are in a fantastic position in America. So for us, um, this was, we knew it was coming, but it's nice to secure that future and for the fighters as well who can say, wow, I've got you know very strong broadcast support, Matchroom in a great place. I don't see necessarily other promotional companies with the same kind of backing and security that Matchroom can provide. So I feel very good about where we are and I feel very good about our understanding of the market. It's not just America, it's Mexico as well. 
And our shows here have been big successes in terms of viewership in America and, and in, in Mexico, and they've been a lot of fun. So, yeah, it was a, a big a moment for us to secure that extension. With that new deal, how many US shows per year can we see going forward? I think probably somewhere between 8 and 12, and the 12 will be with the Canelo Alvarez shows as well. Um, I would like to, to use that budget to do more shows sometimes. They don't all have to have massive main events or unification fights. You know, we, we have now a lot of good young fighters coming through. Diego Pacheco, a really good example, someone that's going to be headlining very soon in California. Keeping those young stars active, adding to the roster, and again, we're going to be signing a couple of world champions over the next couple of weeks. So for us, we needed those dates and we needed that commitment to make sure we can service them. On top of that, this leads me on nicely to my next question. I spent some time in Vegas at Garcia Davis, and I'm sure you've seen the back and forth with Leonard Ellerby. You were involved in it. Um, whenever I spoke to Leonard, he said you had no pay-per-view stars. He, he kind of had a go at you. He said that you haven't really made a mark in the US and he doesn't know what you're talking about. What's your, your response to that now that you've settled down? Because at the time, obviously, yeah, you had a response, but it's a bit different. Like, people like you need to say to him, sorry, who, who have you got? Which fighters do you have signed to Leonard Ellerby or Mayweather Promotions? And the answer is absolutely none. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's one or two that you've never even heard of. Tank is not signed with Leonard Ellerby or Mayweather Promotions. Right? He rocked up, I think, as a favour. Like Al Heyman sort of didn't want to mug him off and said, look, Leonard, come with the, the new thing you got on your chin and come and stand in the background. It'll look good, good look for you. But I don't... When, when he says things like that, I just think, like, am I missing something? Like, last year, we did Canelo Bivol, Canelo Triple G3, Joshua against Usyk, Taylor against Serrano, which filled up MSG, Chocolatito against Estrada. I mean, there's so, so many more to name. And, like, when he says we don't have any stars and, and we're not doing any big shows, we're about to do Canelo Alvarez homecoming in Guadalajara in front of 50,000 people. We do these like, it's bread and butter for us. So I don't know. It's either that he, it's like trying to convince someone that we're not doing very well or complete delusion where he doesn't act like, I would love to sit down with him and just go, Leonard, here's some clips of what we did last year. Right? Who do you represent at Mayweather Promotions? They have no broadcast deal. They have no fighters. And I don't, like, I think, I actually think Leonard and Mayweather Promotions did a really good job with Tank. And then they just got, see you later. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Um, do you think we could set up you and Leonard sitting down at a table, me in the middle, like, have a conversation? A bit, but it's a bit like... It's a bit like Man City sitting down with... I don't want to be nasty about any football clubs. Let's take someone random. Slough FC, right? I don't know why that guy... Paul Merson was giving a speech the other day and Slough... I love Slough. Slough's nice. Some nice places around Slough. I'm sorry if you're a Slough fan. But it's a bit like, why, why would I sit down with Leonard Ellis? I mean, to give him the... Like, it's just... It's bizarre, you know? Um, but it's been a lot of fun with Leonard. And he does, you know... I've got this thing in me that when I see people lose their shit like Leonard, I can't help it, you know? When uh, was the last time you've seen him in person? Probably the James DeGale Badu Jack fight. How did that go? It was alright. I mean, oh, I turned up and they tried to stick my name off the table. They said, he's not allowed up there. At the press conference. Eddie Earn's not sitting up on the top table. And I was like, and fair play to James DeGale. James DeGale, where he is. And I sat up there and I, I was unbelievable, to be fair. I absolutely smashed that press conference. Um, but I don't, you know, like the whole thing, like surely if there's someone entertaining, it's a bit like Dimitri Salita, right? There's so many people out there that don't want to let someone sit on a top table because I don't like him. Like, let him sit there. It's going to be more, like, let's have a back and forth. It's like Dimitri Salita. A lot of people don't really want him around. But I like Dimitri. I think he's quite cute. You know, and I like him. I think he's a nice, and I, he's going to say something. And he gets it. And the next thing he's having a row with Dillian Wyatt and everybody. This is just this game that we're in. It's just a game. It's just a stage, Shakespeare. All the world's a stage. And we're all just characters. And we all play a part. You know, I'm the lead. But Leonard Ellaby's the, you know, one of the extras. But it's good. But he, we should get him involved in because they're good, those ones who come on just for one scene, you know, and have a little bit of a laugh. And then you go, thanks, mate, thanks for coming. All right, and then you, off you go. But we're all, we, all, we all bounce off each other. Like, again, may sound arrogant. Look what I've done for Leonard Ellaby's profile. I mean, the way Leonard Ellaby has used my name to try and raise his own profile. I mean, how many followers does he have? 50,000, 60,000. I know it's not about followers, but he's kind of, I've got 1.3 million. Everyone knows who I am. So now we're talking about Leonard Ellaby for five minutes. He should be absolutely saying, oh, he should phone you later and go, come on, it's Leonard Ellaby. Thank you so much for giving me some exposure because you know I need it right now because I'm, I need to stay relevant with fighters. I felt like Vegas was a bit of a dig at Eddie Hearn at times. So next I spoke to Stephen Espinosa. Oh, he and he, he, I don't understand that the, there was kind of like an animosity whenever I brought up your name. Um, I love it. You know, no, yeah. you see the face change. Espinosa, you know. I've seen it so many times over the years. No, no, he's not. No, no, he's got, you know, he's got no fight. But that all stems back to Anthony Joshua, really, with Stephen Espinosa. And the reality is. And I'll tell the story, and it doesn't really matter. It's not nothing, you know. He tried to go, in my opinion, he tried to go around the back door through Rob McCracken to Anthony Joshua and basically didn't want to have me involved. And they underestimated my relationship with Anthony Joshua. And that's why when you're close with a fighter and you have a loyalty with a fighter, that's when it shines through in those kind of situations. So when we left Showtime, 
with AJ after they backed him because we went elsewhere for another deal. We were talking to HBO and we went to the zone. We, we kind of fell out, you know, and it's never really recovered to the point where, and he can say what he wants about, he didn't see me. I went up to him at the Caleb plant fire and I went, Stephen, how are you? And I put my hand out and he looked at my hand and he, he looked down his nose and walked off. Now he, he can say, because I've heard him say, oh, I don't remember that. Mate, I was there. I don't drink. It's not like I was fucking pissed. I saw you with my own eyes and you can't stand me. And it's, just, it's sad really, because I think we could do a lot of business together. But we're probably never really gonna get on. But you said off camera, you went, I actually think you and Len Ellaby would really get on, and we probably would. Most people do get on with me. But this again, when we go back to the play, and it's all, like this is really an act, you know? I'm just trying to be funny. You've got an audience, right? Like, do you want views or not? I don't wanna sit here and go, oh, I like everybody. They're all such fine gentlemen. Well, when I spoke to Espinosa, though, he criticised Matchroom's performance in the US. He said, what has Eddie Hearn done since he came here? He also said that when you arrived, you had this $1 billion budget. You blew it, and now you don't know what to do going forward. Firstly, the billion was over eight years, right? So we've only done five, and, and we realigned the budget. And, and we talk about blowing. I mean, it's a budget for boxing. So that, that's never... That's just ridiculous. But I agree with Stephen in some respects. When I came in, I was quite arrogant, but that, and I was bullish, but that's me. What do you want from me? Do you want me to be the loudmouth Brit, you know, outspoken, arrogant guy? Because that's, that's what's got me to this point. I'm not gonna start changing. And I have humbled myself, and I have calmed down. I'm much better in situations where I don't say things to upset people. But what have we done in America? We're a British promoter that has come over here and done the biggest shows consistently over the last couple of years. The reality. You know, the biggest show of last year was Canelo against Triple G. The biggest show of the year before was Canelo against Billy Joe Saunders. So, you know, uh, I don't know. But we can do better. We can definitely do better. And I think we've probably not done as well as I thought we would at this stage, because I expect a lot. But I think we've done a fantastic job. And I think, like, to put it into perspective, when we're talking to these fighters, you know, there's, there's a couple we're talking to at the moment. And they're debating whether to sign with PBC and Showtime, top rank, or Matchroom. That's basically, like, the big names, that's the three that, and we're winning a lot of those races. So you can't say what have they, like if fighters want to sign with us in the US market over you know, PBC, over Showtime, over Top Rank, ESPN, like we must have done a pretty good job. So yeah, I saw something yesterday, someone put a post out and it just said at the top, like, it was like criticizing Matra. And it was quite like mental, like they're, they're a joke, they're this. And it just said at the top, Steven Espinosa liked. And I just thought, that sums everything up. That sums everything up. Good old Conor McGregor, eh? We'll go to the next person to take it. They got you. Right, um, we got? <laughs> I quizzed Oscar De La Hoya. I think it was actually me and you had an interview. Um, and you said something to me about Oscar would act a certain way when he's with you or around you. And then when he's on social media, he'll say, and in mm. interviews, he'll say another thing. So I asked him about it. Mm. 
and I said, like Eddie said, that you, you're the type of guy who would speak, say something to his face, and then not. He said that he criticized how you've moved Canelo. He said he would never have taken the Bivol fight. He said he doesn't understand your logic in taking that. Yeah. But do I don't move Canelo. I work for Canelo Alvarez and Eddie Reynoso, right? They tell me the fights they want, and I make it happen. Did you think it was a good idea at the time, though, that Bivol fight, truthfully? I thought he beat Bivol. I did think you. Everybody did. Well, very, very few people thought Bivol would beat him. By the way, when that fight was made, Oscar de la Hoya weren't coming out going, Phew, this is a bad fight to make. But the one thing, look, with, with Leonard Ellaby, if I bumped into Leonard Ellaby, he'd either shout something at me or we'd end up rolling around on the floor. Steven Espinosa won't even shake my hand. Oscar de la Hoya will give me a cuddle and then do that. So in some respects, I'm cooler with Leonard and Steven in that respect. Do you know what I mean? Like when I see Oscar, and I like, like listen, Oscar de la Hoya is a legend of the sport. He's a bit, he's a bit out there, right? But he is, like what he's achieved in boxing, I could never, I, I, I don't like the whole, I was a Hall of Fame pound for pound great, so listen to me. You're now a promoter. You're, you have to be judged on, as a promoter, and I'm much better than you. But as a boxer, like he's achieved so much more in his life than I could ever achieve. And he's a legend, Oscar de la Hoya. So I have unbelievable respect for him. And listen, I also have respect for Leonard Ellaby and for Steven Espinosa. You're never gonna find me saying, no respect for those people. Steven Espinosa, super bright guy, been in boxing a long time. He's tactical, he's clever. Leonard, I don't know enough of, but you know, he's a grafter and he's been around. So I respect them. It doesn't mean I have to like them. But I don't, I'd rather you just said bad things about me and then we knew where we stood, not turn up in Abu Dhabi. Eddie, let's have a selfie. What? Do an interview. Eddie Hearn don't know what he's doing and he's a joke. I'm like, eh? So we don't move Canelo Alvarez. We get told what to do by Canelo Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez wanted to be great. So he took on a huge challenge against Dimitri Bivol. And it didn't, but at the same time, I don't think that's a great look. Oh, I would never have taken the, the Bivol fight. That was a really tough fight. Well, what do you want? You can't win, can you? You have an easy fight. Like, look, I mean, look at how they've moved Jaime Munguia. Please don't talk to me about how to move a fighter when you've moved Jaime Munguia like that. It's an absolute embarrassment. Ruined his career. Great fighter. Huge fan base. Should be fighting Gennady Golovkin. Should be fighting Charlo. Should be, you know, should be in all those fights. And his resume is a stinker. So, but when Oscar talks about Canelo, you can't, there's a, there's a huge amount of emotion there. And he doesn't really speak with a lot of sense in that regard. Yesterday. This, this is an interview just to get me in trouble, isn't it? It's just yeah, basically actually, asking me my opinion. It's great, isn't it? Thanks. Um, you lost out on a purse bid yesterday. Yeah. Not really used to losing out in purse bids these last couple of weeks, right? But well, apparently, is there a, a matchroom mole or is that oh, just yeah, a, a myth? But apparently we lose purse bids all the time. I mean, we're in purse bids. We win, we lose. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, we lost by 15,000. I was gutted. Gutted. But that's a strange amount to it's lose really out on. You know, the amount of people that messaged me saying that was a dodgy purse bid, there's a mole in the camp. It was here in Guadalajara. We rocked up with an envelope, right? And they were on Zoom. The reason that the bid was so close is when you're exchanging offers for weeks, you have a very good idea around the amount someone's gonna bid. Do you understand? Like, 
because you can work it out on the split. So normally you're within 100 or 200,000 of what the other person's going to bid. Normally as close as 100. I actually, I was so close to bidding 2.2 million. I can't believe it. And I said, you know, and, but we bid. Our bid was to lose money on the show. We were losing money on that show in Liverpool. But I wanted to fight. I really wanted to fight. And I so nearly bid 2.2, which would have won it. And, yeah, 50, it doesn't matter whether it's 15,000 or 50,000 or 100,000. We lost the bid. Nothing untoward. No moles in the can. Just two who understand the value of a fight. And actually, when you lose like that, sometimes it's better losing like that because you know you bid the right number. Do you know what I mean? They saw the same value in the fight. Unfortunately, they saw 15,000 more. Do you understand? Sometimes if you lose by, you know, or if you bid 2.2 and they bid 1.3, you're thinking, have I actually got this right here? If you bid 2.2 and they bid 3.4, the other fighter's going, what? Have you only bid 2.2? Well, that was our perceived value of the fight. And our perceived value of that fight, even losing money on that fight, was 2.1 million. Unfortunately, it was 15,000 short. So I was I got it. Were you about that? Gutted. I text Callum straight away. I went, fuck, 15,000. Can't believe it, because I really wanted to do that fight. And look, they've got to stage the fight within ninety days. We may sort something out with top rank. I don't know, but yeah, I was. Do you think I was, it goes in Montreal? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. And then, obviously, moving on from that, I do have to ask you about Montana Love, um, a US fighter of yours. Are you still working with him? When is he next out? If you are, what's the story well, there? After his defeat, you know, it changes obviously the contractual situation. We want to make Montana Love against Richardson Hitchens. It's a fucking great fight. I keep swearing. My aunt told me the other day, I don't see her that often, and she saw me and she goes, will you stop swearing? She watches all my interviews. So if you're watching, sorry, Auntie Dawn. Um, and basically, I want to make Montana Love against Richardson Hitchens. Great fight. And we're talking at the moment and we'll see if we get over the line. You met Regis Progray in Houston. How did that go? And do you think that, I seen Mike Coppinger, was it? Yeah, right? we, then? Mike Coppinger messaged me a week ago saying, I hear you've signed Regis. I said, I promise... And it's difficult because I've got such a good relationship with those clients. I don't like to lie to people and say, no, we haven't. And they, they don't always believe you because they expect you to lie if you don't want the news to get out there. And I said, no, look, I'm, I promise you, we haven't. We're talking to Regis Progray as our PBC, as our top rank. I think in terms of activity, in terms of promotional push, in terms of importance within our stable, I think we're a great home for him. But... Top Rank's a great company. PBC's a great company. They've all got options for him. So nothing agreed, nothing signed, but I'm, I hope we can be competitive in that race. I've actually a lot to ask you, so we'll leave some for tomorrow. Thomas Hauser's comments on Anthony Joshua. Um, baffling. I, just, you know, I spoke to so many, I spoke to Buncey about it this morning. I spoke to David Diamante. Thomas Hauser doesn't like me for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, there was the whole thing with Dillian Wyatt. You know, that's still going on, I think, with a court case. I don't know, not, not, nothing to do with us. For a fight, for a, a reputable journalist, and Thomas Hauser's a super bright guy. Like, I, I have no problem with Thomas Hauser. Every time I see him, see, this is a second piece from The Guardian now. You know, the other piece was from Don McRae the other week, which didn't give me a chance to address any comments from anybody. It was a bang out of all the lynch job. This piece... It's like, you're, you're talking about brain damage in boxing. You're talking about Muhammad Ali. You're talking about dementia. 
and then you're advising Anthony Joshua to retire. On, on, on what grounds? Anthony Joshua has not been really in taxing heavyweight fights. You're talking about Muhammad Ali. Watch Muhammad Ali's career back and look at the fights he was in. Watch the Larry Holmes fight. Watch the Ernie Chavez fight. Watch those, like, Ken Norman fights. He, like, he took punishment. And you're, you, you don't know Anthony Joshua. You've never spent time in his camp. You haven't talked to Derek James. You were just sitting there one day going, I think Anthony Joshua. You're, you're accusing him of the potential to take damage in fights but also accusing him of not being aggressive enough in fights. But you're not talking about how good his defence is. You're not talking about how Jermaine Franklin threw 300 punches and landed 45 or whatever it was because of how good AJ's defence was. It was just bizarre. Bizarre. And I, you know, I really don't like this thing in boxing where people have been around for years and years feel like they have a free pass to talk absolute bollocks. And I said, I said on Parsons' thing yesterday, if anyone needs to retire, it's Thomas Hauser. Like, I read that article and I thought, you are so... F I couldn't believe that they were talking about brain damage in sport and anti... Like, like this guy. It's like he just fought Jermaine Franklin and got beaten pillar to post. Dillian White won a tight decision against Jermaine Franklin. Is he all right? And he got knocked out against Tyson Fury in a fight before. Is he all right to continue? But AJ's got to retire. Because he lost a split to Usyk, 115-113, and won nearly every round against Jermaine Franklin with a new coach. Fucking mental. I've done it again. Shit. Oh, shit. Oh. Jo yeah, Joshua Wilder. Is it going to happen? Do you think Do you think it'll happen on the same card as Fury Usyk? You I were in Saturday. You had talks yeah, with Prince Khalid. I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen on the same card as Fury Usyk. That's the intention. But I can't speak on behalf of Fury and Usyk. I know that... They are very confident, Usyk, Wilder, the, there or thereabouts. Fury, I don't know. And we are there or thereabouts. And we have faith in Prince Khalid and Skills Challenge to deliver that sort of event. So for us, we're in, subject to the final terms, which we know are achievable because we've been there before. So I, I'm confident that we can make Joshua Wilder for December. In the interim, you've said Joshua will fight End of July, early August. Dillian yeah. White front runner for that. I don't know. I, you know, I think um, we have to see what happens with Wilder. You know, um, Dillian's obviously on my case for a fight. Um, I think if he doesn't fight Wilder, yeah, hundred percent, it'll be Dillian White. But Dillian's going to want to know what he's doing soon. Um, we are looking at other opponents, but we want to just get this Wilder situation there or thereabouts before we make a decision regarding that summer fight. Moving on from that, we'll finish on this and I'll, I'll finish with one then. So, Conor Ben, where are we at with him? When When's he going to be out next? There is a chance he could box June 17. I mean, he's here this week. I, I've told him to sit down with you guys and do more. Like, you know now, because of the UK situation, because of the confidentiality that is confidential, apart from every journalist knows about it, he can't actually talk about that anyway. But I said, but you can talk about your next fight. You can talk about the division. You can talk about Ryder. Like, so, you know, I think he'd done a bit last night and I was going to sit down with you guys today. So June 17 is a possibility. But there's a lot going on behind the scenes. You know, he's, he's deep in the UCAD stuff to clear his name, which I think is a positive for everybody. Will that land in Abu Dhabi in the US? Vegas? Mm, maybe. Maybe not. Eddie, thanks for your time. We'll catch up tomorrow. Appreciate it.
Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.